please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 10 through 16. This is the text from which Pastor John will be preaching on this morning. The love of money is the root of all evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced their hearts with many pangs. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Aim at righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession... I charge you to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this will be made manifest at the proper time by the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Some of the things that the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy in his two letters are intended only for pastors, but not verse 12 of 1 Timothy 6. When Paul says, fight the fight of faith, we can be sure that he is not giving counsel just to pastors, even though he's writing to one. There are two ways that we can know that. One is that faith concerns all Christians. It is not simply pastors who must be concerned about their faith. It's everybody's business. And therefore, when he admonishes a Christian who happens to be a pastor to fight that fight, we may be sure it's intended for us. And the other way we may be sure is that in the very next phrase of the verse, it says, take hold on eternal life to which you are called. In other words, by fighting the good fight of faith, Timothy must lay hold on eternal life. But there are not two ways to lay hold on eternal life. One for pastors and one for the rest of you. There is one way to lay hold on eternal life. And therefore, this text has to do with everybody. And the doctrine, therefore, that I want to draw out of it and impress upon your hearts this morning is this. All Christians must lay hold on eternal life by fighting the good fight of faith. All Christians must lay hold on eternal life by fighting the good fight of faith. And in handling that text, I want to ask three questions. One, in what sense is our fight a fight of faith? And secondly... Why does the Apostle Paul call it a good fight? Not a bad fight, but a good one. And third, how can we go about engaging in this fight successfully so that we win and don't lose? Now, this last question is going to lead us right into a time of commitment at the end of the service in which uh, Pastor Steve will share briefly about how the 2020 vision fits into fighting the fight of faith. And I hope to show you in the intervening 20 minutes why 
The 2020 vision, which is a network of home cell groups at Bethlehem, is not designed as a program to make us feel good about getting together with each other. But rather, it is a wartime strategy to defeat the enemy of our souls and the enemy of our faith. Or, to use another biblical image, it is a, an athletic discipline to enable us to win the crown of life. But all that remains yet to be seen, so let's turn to our text and see whether or not it will sustain these things. As I look at the text and ask the first question, in what sense is our fight a fight of faith? I see two senses in which it is a fight of faith. One would be this. Since our faith is very often threatened and jeopardized by the world around us and by Satan, the fight of faith is a fight simply to maintain faith, to hold on to faith and not let it fade or die. So the phrase fight of faith would mean the struggle to keep on believing. The struggle to keep on trusting the promises of God and not to stop. The other way to understand the phrase fight of faith would be this. Not only should we make it our aim to maintain faith, we should make it our aim to use faith as a weapon to gain victories beyond faith by faith. The idea is not merely that we are fighting to hold fast to what we have, but we are using what we have as a weapon to gain something we do not yet have. Now, I think both of these always go together. And the only reason I distinguish them is because there are a lot of people in American evangelicalism who will say that you shouldn't do either. Let me try to illustrate from the context these two ways of understanding the term fight of faith. The first one can be illustrated from verse 11, just prior to our text. Paul commanded Timothy to aim at or to pursue righteousness, godliness, and faith. But Timothy's a believer. So must he not mean... Timothy, believer, fight for your faith. Fight to hold fast to your faith. Strive for greater faith. Pursue, aim. Don't rest on past acts of faith. So I think there's a sense already in verse 11 that we can say that every one of us should not be content with the faith we have. For two reasons. We need more, and there is no reason to believe that we'll have it tomorrow morning when we wake up if we neglect this admonition to fight the fight of faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, confirms this first understanding of the phrase fight of faith. At the end of his life, Paul says in a beautiful testimony that I hope I'll be able to say when I die, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. 
And all three of those phrases mean the same thing. Fighting the good fight, running the race, keeping the faith. And therefore, what it means to fight the good fight is to keep the faith to the end. So the first meaning of the phrase fight of faith is to fight it out so that when you come to the end of your life, you have maintained and persevered in faith. The second meaning that I suggested for the fight of faith can be seen right there in verse 12 of 1 Timothy 6 by reading on. Take hold on eternal life. The reason Paul adds this command right after his command to fight the good fight of faith is that eternal life is the goal of that fight. Paul is saying, fight the good fight of faith and the way to lay hold on eternal life is to fight that faith. Fight the good fight of faith and thus lay hold on eternal life. I watched a lot of boxing during the Olympics on vacation. Now, I hate boxing. And I can picture, and can't you, one of the coaches of the American Olympic boxing team saying in the ear of the fighter just before the decisive third round, Fight the good fight, brother, and lay hold on the gold. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. Fight the good fight, brothers and sisters, and thus lay hold on the gold crown of eternal life. Eternal life is won by the fight of faith and no other way. One of the reasons that there is so little deep, earnest, passionate concern for godliness in the contemporary church is that this truth is so little understood. The truth, namely, that eternal life is only had by fighting the good fight of faith to the end. There is today, by and large, a devil-may-care, cavalier, superficial attitude toward the ongoing daily intensity of personal faith because people don't believe that their eternal life depends on it. In the last 200 years in this country, there has been an almost incredible devaluation of the fight of faith. We are a hundred miles from the great Baptist John Bunyan, in whose Pilgrim's Progress Christian fought and struggled and labored his whole life until he was safe in the celestial city. What a world of difference there is between the biblical view of Christian living and persevering and the view that is abroad in contemporary American evangelicalism. 
It is like night and day, I think, sometimes, as I visit churches like I did on my vacation. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who endures trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. The person who gets the crown of eternal life is the person who passes the test of his faith. Revelation 2.10 says to those who are being thrown into prison for their faith, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Brothers and sisters, is that not a different mood than cocksure American evangelicalism? What would you say to a person put in jail for his faith? Would you say, be faithful unto death, and then God will give you a crown of life? Today, Worship services, Bible studies, prayer meetings, fellowship gatherings in most churches do not have a spirit of earnestness, intensity, fervor, and depth because people do not believe that anything significant hangs on these things, especially not their eternal life. It is all icing on the cake and quite optional and dispensable. We are safe. Let him who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall, says the apostle. We have been poorly taught, brothers and sisters. And so I urge each of you to return to the scriptures with your eyes open, ready to learn this doctrine afresh. All Christians must lay hold on eternal life by fighting the good fight of faith. Question number two. Does the Apostle Paul, why does the Apostle Paul call it a good fight? Not a bad fight. It is a good fight to be engaged in. And I see at least five reasons why it's a good fight. First, it is a good fight because the enemy is evil. The enemy is unbelief and behind unbelief, the satanic forces of it and in front of unbelief flowing out of it all the sins of the world. And if you do a fight to resist and combat the forces in Minneapolis on television and radio and in your own heart and at your work and in your home, all the forces that surround you tempting you to trust in yourself. If you resist those forces and trust in God, you fight a very evil enemy and therefore it is a good fight. Secondly, it is a good fight because we are not left to our own strength. If we were, as Martin Luther says, all our striving would be losing. Philippians 2.12 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Isn't that just a paraphrase of fight the good fight of faith and thus lay hold on eternal life? And the next verse says, why? For God is the one who is at work in you to will and to do his good pleasure. And therefore, when you make all your labors to fight the good fight of faith, it is not you. 
but the Holy Spirit within you, enabling you to fight and win the fight of faith. You need not fear that when I summon you to press into the kingdom and to fight the fight of faith, somehow you will become self-reliant. Take credit for yourself. Give no glory to God if you truly understand The teaching of the New Testament that it is God who is at work in you to will and to do his good pleasure. And since it's not your strength in which you fight, it is a good fight and not a bad fight. Third, it is a good fight because it is not a struggle to carry a burden. It is a struggle to let a burden be carried for you. The life of faith is not a burdened life. It's an unburdened life. But we, by nature, do not unburden ourselves on God. We have to fight to unburden God with our worries and our hopes. We so, by nature, want to make a future for ourselves. And to handle our worries for ourselves, that we must fight for freedom from worry. We must fight for hope, fight for peace, fight for joy. Because all these things are threatened by unbelief, which we cleave to so irrationally. And therefore, since freedom and hope and joy and peace are good, the fight to maintain them is a good fight. And fourth, the fight of faith is good because unlike most fights, it is not the result of or the manifestation of self-exaltation, but self-humiliation. Most fighting is bad because it's a way of exalting my strength over you at your expense, right? That's what makes a fight bad. But the fight of faith is very different. By nature, we don't like to admit our helplessness before God. We don't like to hear Jesus say, John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. We don't like that. But the fight of faith is the fight to believe that. To take that, apply it to ourselves, admit it, humble ourselves before God, and then cast all of our desires and hopes and worries onto him and his mercy and bank everything on the grace of God. And that's good. It's good to be humble. And therefore, the fight of faith is good. And finally, the fight of faith is good because it glorifies God. When you devote yourself to to self-abasement in order to cast all your cares and your hopes on God, God is greatly magnified in the world. When you trust yourself, you get the glory. And when you trust God, He gets the glory. And there isn't anything better in all the world than the glory of God. And therefore, this fight is a good fight and not a bad one. So summing up this second question, the fight to maintain faith and to lay hold on eternal life by faith is a good fight because the enemy is evil, because the strength to fight it comes from God, because faith is not the carrying of a burden, but the unburdening of our heart. Because fighting the fight of faith involves self-humbling instead of self-exaltation, and because it glorifies God. Which leaves us now with one last question. 
the practical one of how do we go about engaging in this fight successfully? Your life depends on it. I know that some of you probably are saying, I don't think my life depends on fighting the fight of faith. I think I'm safe no matter what. I hope that you discover your error before it's too late. Because the evidence of whether you were saved is whether you fight the fight of faith. And people who talk as though it were dispensable and optional come within a hair's breadth of giving evidence that their original profession was false. Therefore, it behooves us to attend extraordinarily attentively to the practical admonition of how to fight the fight of faith. That's what I preach about every Sunday. I could talk about the Word of God. I could talk about prayer. But I'm going to talk about the foundation of the 2020 vision. The 2020 vision at Bethlehem is a network of small cell groups in homes. What I want to close with is a stress that the foundation of it is this doctrine. All Christians must lay hold on eternal life by fighting the fight of faith with this additional truth that I want to try to press home now. The fight of faith must be fought together and not just alone. Camaraderie in the fight of faith is not optional. It is essential. And there are two passages of Scripture from Hebrews that I want to use to try to show you that. If you want to follow along, the first one will be in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. The book of Hebrews is the most forthright book about helping us maintain assurance in all the New Testament, which is ironic because it's also the book with the gravest threats leveled towards profession Christians. The aim of this book is to help Christians fight the fight of faith and to maintain assurance. And here's one of the ways. Hebrews 3:12. Take care, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if only we hold our first confidence firm. To the end. According to this text, fighting the good fight of faith means doing whatever God tells you to do to guard yourself against an unbelieving heart and against the hardness that comes from the deceitfulness of sin. I don't know how any Christian reads these verses and thinks that his ongoing fight of faith is not essential to his eternal life. And if it is, it gives urgency intensity, depth, and passion to everything we do as a church. We are not playing games on Sunday morning. We are not playing games on Sunday night. We are not playing games at prayer meeting, and we are not playing games when we establish the 2020 vision. The way this verse sets forth for how to fight the fight of faith is in verse 13. 
Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, the way to fight the fight of faith is by mutual exhortation to each other in groups small enough so that you can know how to exhort one another. My faith under God depends on the regular admonition of Tom Steller and Steve Roy and Dean Palermo and Shar Ransom. Those are my near comrades in the fight of faith. If they neglected this admonition, the faith that I need to serve and to lead this church would die. The second text is chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, where... The writer says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So according to this text, the fight of faith is the struggle to hold fast to our confession to the end and the struggle to keep loving one another. The Christian life of faith and love, it says, cannot be successfully lived in isolation. And therefore, it summons us to fight the fight of faith in concert with camaraderie. It says that we should exhort each other, stir each other up to love and good works. All the exhorting in the Christian church dare not just come from the pastor. Do you see the little phrases, each other, in these texts? When it says each other, it means every Christian has the privilege and the duty to exhort admonish, encourage, rebuke other Christians. And the only way you can do that regularly and with significance is to be in groups small enough where you know the needs of your brothers and sisters and have occasion to talk to them. So the answer of our final question is plain. How do we go about engaging in the fight of faith successfully? We must rediscover the age-old gift of camaraderie in the fight of faith. We must commit ourselves to some group of believers that's small enough so that you can know them and can admonish them and be admonished by them to hold fast to the faith. If you haven't done this... I urge you with all my heart this morning not to rest until you have made this commitment. And when you've made the commitment, you're going to discover a sixth reason why the fight of faith, when it's done in comradeship with other believers, is a good fight. Because I have tasted and know, and many of you have, that there are few things in all the world sweeter than camaraderie with brothers like these in the greatest things in the world, the fight of faith.